Welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. My name is Kyle Nelson, and I have my co-host here, Eli Libby. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Excited for the podcast. Yep. Uh, we, you know, we love to have uh, guests on our podcast that inspire and motivate and help people aspire to be better and level mm-hmm. up in their life. Uh, and today, we have had the very fortunate opportunity to have an amazing entrepreneur, an innovator, um, and an amazing, amazing business um, professional, Mr. Ricky Miller. He's a CEO and founder of Carbonati Vodka, which launched back in 2012. Uh, he also founded in 2013 Sleep Drink 8-Hour Snooze, and uh, he's doing some amazing things with his success. And we're going to have a great conversation about an entrepreneur and the grit, being creative, and how you have to go through that process in the beginning with an entrepreneur of right. hearing the nose in life. Yes. So, Ricky, welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. Thank, thank you so much for having me, guys. Really happy to be here. Absolutely. Awesome. You know, wow, we're, we're going to be good. We're excited to talk to you. You know, when we get to have individuals on here that have mm-hmm. similar mindset mm-hmm. um, and just that true, it, that true feeling of just wanting to inspire others. Yeah. It's always a good conversation. So mm-hmm. Ricky, why don't you let us know a little bit about you, kind of your upbringing, what got you into entrepreneurship, got you into the spirits and liquor industry and um, just kind of just how you got to where you are today. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up in um, a small town called Tustin, California, um, in Orange County in Southern California. And, you know, grew up, was in a single parent household until the time I was like five or six and um, was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, gain a, a wonderful stepdad. Um, but, you know, it was like it was instilled in me from early on, um, you know, that I wanted to take care of my mom. So, like, you know, for me, it's like that's that was the first time I remember, like, knowing I wanted to be rich only to be able to take care of my mom and, and, and give her everything that, you know, she wanted and needed. Um, you know, and so I needed ways to do that. And so, you know, making money had, had always been, you know, in my crosshairs for that reason. Um, so I was naturally, you know, entrepreneurial, um, you know, grew up, I didn't have a paper route. Like, you know, you, you hear a lot, but I had, you know, a car wash route right in our neighborhood. My okay. older brother, my older brother and I would, you know, we would knock on 30, 40 doors, you know, char- you know, ask to wash cars for $20 a pop. Out of those 30 or 40, we would get, you know, five or six houses that, that wanted to do it. And we would split that money. And I loved it. Like I loved, you yeah. know, what money brought, especially as a kid, because we definitely weren't getting it from our parents. And so, right. um, so yeah, I've always, you know, I've always had a knack for, you know, figuring things out. And, um, played sports. And then, you know, I, I thought that sports was going to be my way to take care of my family, and you know, fell a little short, played some college ball, a tiny bit of pro, but definitely not enough to take care of my family. Um, and, um, that entrepreneur kind of, you know, it it came back out and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I tried a bunch of different things and Mm -hmm. um, fell into beverage marketing, um, just because, um, I did know I had a, a, a burning desire to help people. Right. And so, um, I would, you know, I was looking at just different needs in the market and I stumbled upon vitamin D deficiency, um, in minority communities. Um, and so created this like super, like, um, powerful multivitamin D, uh, multivitamin. Um, okay. And, it was like, so, you know, the idea was to like wrap cool around a multivitamin. Multivitamins yeah. are hard to sell. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a really flashy bottle, um, you know, was trying to attach athletes and, and, and do it that way. It was really tough. So I uh, I pivoted and um, 
you know, thought I needed a better delivery system. So I had this, a vitamin D infused uh, sports drink called Helio, which, you know, Helio is the, the sun god. And, yeah, right, right. Uh, vitamin D and incredible packaging, um, great formula, you know, but for me, like, that's when I learned like, Hey, I have a knack for creating brands. I just, you know, an eye, a feel, um, right. but I didn't know how to take a brand from, you know, product to market. Like I can create the product. I can create the brand. I can make it cool. But I just, I wasn't, I was inexperienced in commercializing it. And um, right. you know, so that fell on its face. It really didn't get too far and tried a couple other things and every step along that way, like I failed miserably, but, I was able to take like a tangible learning and apply it to my next venture. And, you know, which is why I always talk to entrepreneurs or just, I say talk to entrepreneurs. That sounds so formal. I, I when I'm just talking to friends and people in my network, people I come across that are trying to do entrepreneurial things. I, I, um, you know, I say there's no replacement, you know, for doing an experience. Like, you know, I can, I can tell you, you know, where to go, what to do. Um, and you can do it, but, you're, it's not going to stick with you because you're not going to feel the burn or the sting of, of, of messing up um, that yeah. I did. And that's why it's etched in me. And so I think like going through, you know, those tough times and, and, right. and failing miserably, um, you know, is necessary, you know, because it's, it's really grooming you and preparing you um, to take, you know, that business that you want to take to the next level when you're ready, you know, but I, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't failed miserably. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. We preach that and we've, Absolutely. we've, I mean, throughout our career and as in entrepreneurs, um, we think about it kind of uh, like a sculpture, like a clay, like a clay kind of sculpture. Every failure that you have or every experience you have is kind of molding you to be the individual that you are, the leader that you are, whatever it might be. So yeah, man. exactly. That's exactly right. I think I think we have a similar backstory yeah. as you do. I I had my first business when I was thirteen, and what I was doing was I was going around knocking on people's doors to weed whack their lots. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> you know, the guy that was out there, the professional, was charging two hundred bucks. I was thirteen, fourteen. I was like, I'll do it for fifty. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I learned, like, just like the hustle of just like the dollar of like what it means to sell and like Love that. That money like infused straight into you from actual physical activity. It taught yeah. me for the rest of my life. And I love uh, it. You know, like you said, like over time you start these businesses, some will fail, some will be successful. You know, I think between Eli and I, we've probably, I, I, I know me, I've had at least 10 businesses and I have like failed miserably yeah. on eight of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those, I, are, those are, those are, you know what I call those Kyle? Those are stripes. You know when they say like, oh, you know, oh, people in the streets, they earn their stripes. Yes. Those are real stripes. Like, yeah. that's why I can tell the people that come in to, you know, the business world that don't have stripes. I can just tell how right. they talk, how they walk, how they react to things. They don't mm-hmm. have stripes. Those you, those things you have, those are stripes. That's what, yeah. you know, you can't replace that. Those, that's, to me, that's equally, if not more valuable than business school. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, so those are real, real, real stripes. Yeah. They're, 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 real, they're real mental scars and wounds that have yeah. done nothing but built you over time and understood, you mm-hmm. know, the real principles of business. Yeah. I would argue that you learn more in business in a half, six months of operating business versus oh, yeah. three, four years in business school. For yeah. sure. And I'm, I'm definitely not downplaying business school. Like, Hey, yeah. if I, if I was smart enough and, and had the money to go to business school, I would have, I, I feel like I, there are definitely mistakes I would have yeah. avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, 
money I, I probably would not have wasted and I probably would have been more polished of a business person. Yep. Um, but the things I learned by just jumping straight in, I, you know, I would never give back. Um, but I still have a desire to like go get polished up. I'm, I'm far from polished. I'm very, you know, maverick, unpolished entrepreneur that knows how to break doors down to get to where I need to be. But, you know, sometimes I would love to use a key, you know, and, uh, (laughs) and so I do have a desire to, you know, when things slow down a little bit, if they ever do to find ways to, you know, go polish up, you know, what, what I'm not good at, you know, for me, it's, I've always been a guy that's just like quadrupled down on my strengths and I haven't slowed down to even think about my weaknesses. I've just used, um, recruited people to compliment me to, to, to fill those voids that I, I can't fill. What are, what, are the that you have, that? what are the strengths that you have that you know that you are kind of tripling down on? So for me, I, I can get to anybody, you know, like what, you know, whether it's the president of, you know, Russia or the, you know, whoever, it doesn't matter. Like I, you know, I, I have a knack to get to people. Um, mm-hmm. And when I get to them, I know how to connect with them. Not in a manipulative way, but just I have a I have a deep um, burning passion for connection. Like I love connecting with people, Absolutely. and I've just learned to use that to you know and, and blend it in with what I'm doing. And so you know it goes all the way back to like 2010 or 11. I think um, I was like on and off and playing arena football, not making any money. Um, I was working at this uh, call center. I think it was like a Dish Network call center, and um, I remember the owner of that the owner of that that call center was very wealthy. Um, so for me, I'm like, I was working the call center to pay bills. I had no desire to work there, but I'm like, and, I, and the whole time I'm thinking about like things I can be doing. So I have all these business ideas. So I'm pitching, you know, um, the owner to invest in ideas. Um, you know, and so I bring that up to say like, there was this time where I had this idea for this music streaming service. It was like a, it was called iRocket. It was a music, like, um, I don't know what you would compare it to today. Basically you can pay a fee to watch your favorite artists perform live online. Um, (laughs) and so it's this long thing. I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just had these ideas, but I was confident in them. And I had these big visions with not, you know, with, with, and I wasn't prepared to execute on them. But I put together this deck that I laugh about to this day. Um, <laughs> I got it to this guy named Gideon Yu. And Gideon, he was at the time, he was the CFO of Facebook. And oh. and he's, I think he's since part owner of the 49ers. Wow. He, he does all these crazy things. But he at the time, he had the Guinness Book of World Record for highest round ever raised. I think he raised like 275 million for Facebook at like a 2% valuation or some, I mean, I mean, I, I, two, 275 million for 2% of the company, like some crazy like thing. So I, I was intrigued by that. And I was like really deep into like, you know, I thought I was gonna be a tech guy. And, and um, so I was getting familiar with all the, the players in the venture capital world. And he was a guy that stood out to me. And so I got him, I sent him a very compelling email. I sent him, you know, my business plan um, that I paid some schmuck like $1,500 to do because I didn't know how to do it. Not realizing it was just a bunch of printed bullshit. Yeah. And um, and basically in the nicest way, Gideon was like, love your vision. Um, long story short, he just said, I wasn't ready. 
you know? Mm-hmm. But for me, I was so happy to get a response. This guy was at like the height, you know? Right. Like, he's, he's in the trenches at the highest level. And I knew I can get with them. And that was one of the few, that was one of the first times I was like, man, I can get to whoever I want to. And that's how, you know, I've really conducted my business. Like, you know, I've, I've, what I, what I've lacked in capital, I definitely make up for in the ability to get to decision makers, connecting with them and bypassing a lot of the things that you would normally need capital for. Well, that's an awesome answer. Thanks for diving into that a little bit. I think it it really speaks to, the topic of this podcast from one of the pieces of the podcast is true grit and what it takes to really be an entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. I think there's that, that drive you always have to have as an entrepreneur to accept the failures and move forward, but you have to turn the failures into successes just like you're saying. Yep. 100%. And to, and, and Eli, to finish that question, I, I, I have to say this because this is who I am. Um, you see the two things that the strengths, one is getting to people. The other is yeah. a very, very high emotional intelligence. I was just I've, had, I've had to, um, I've had to, one, I have a good feeling for everybody around me. I can sit out, sit in a boardroom around a conference table and 10 minutes into the meeting, I, for the most part, know how everybody's feeling. Um, yep. You know, if they're bugged, if they're happy, if they're, you know, um, very sensitive to that. And I, and I think I get that from my mother. Um, but it's it's been it's it's done me like so much um, wonders in my business because you know just in managing staff um, you're dealing with so many personalities yeah you know and so to know like how everybody's feeling um, as often as possible has been so important and personalities and getting people to work with each other it's been like the the bread and butter of my mm-hmm. business and um, but yeah the emotional intelligence is definitely probably it, it's probably been the most valuable thing I would say in, in, in my life. You're, you're speaking. Of like, um, it's really funny you bring that up. I was going to say your EQ is probably really high last night. Actually, I was reviewing. We just did this, um, a big trifexis personality, trimetrics. really trimetrics. Not trifexis. Nice. Trifexis sounded cool though. Yeah. It's a dog <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, I was reviewing, uh, these deep in-depth, 65 page review, just kind of looking on who I am a little bit more in depth. And then I looked into another one called crystal that we did. And both of them, my, the, my EQ was like way off. I mean, it was just so high off the charts and Love it it. saying multiple times, Eli is very in tune to the motion, the emotions of the people that he's around. So you're highly, highly, you're highly empathetic. Yes. Very you know, you know, you know what I've learned, Eli, and, and I and I took a, a similar test. Probably wasn't as cool as the one you took, but um, it that actually for a salesperson mm-hmm. can actually be a weakness. That's what I was basically told. Because for me, if I'm selling you on something, yeah, and I know I can stick that dagger in your neck and say that one thing that I know can close the sale, but it comes off a bit aggressive, mm. I might not do it because. I don't want you to be rubbed the wrong way. And I would rather preserve the relationship than close the cell. That's what I would rather do because I'm, I'm, I, I feel what the person feels or I, or I think I do and I want to, and I want to make sure they're okay. Where as a, a, a you know, a killer salesperson, they, they're, they're not worried about that. All they're doing is they're worried about closing the cells. So it's interesting. Like empathy is definitely like, you know, been the center of my life. Um, I've, you know, lost out on deals because of it, but I honestly probably wouldn't have it any other way. 
True. It's it's just who I am. Yeah. It sounds like you could delegate maybe that weakness see as a salesperson off to somebody that might be a little bit more aggressive. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like for, for me, I would rather preserve the relationship. I don't want to be in, I don't want to be in any business that's just purely transactional that like it's for the sale today and the relationship doesn't matter. Anything that I'm doing, you know, it's the relationships are everything for me, Mm -hmm. everything long-term, you know? So if it doesn't help or strengthen the relationship today, I don't, I don't want to be any part of it. I love that. I'm speaking my language. Yeah. (laughs) With you too. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about uh, building strong teams. I think that's kind of into it a little bit. Um, What's kind of your past experience with building teams? How do you think, you know, what's your style of building teams? I I honestly don't have a ton of experience in building it. I, um, you know, I would say like, I've been used to doing everything myself. Mm. Um, And, um, you know, and it's funny, I tried hiring an assistant um, a few years ago, maybe four years ago, and she was fresh out of business school, super sharp, um, but I didn't know how to use an assistant. I thought I needed it because there was like a like a a two month period where I was forgetting about calls. I was forgetting about meetings. I'm like, you know what? I need someone to help me or, you know, get more organized and and keep up with all these things. But I was and and then and then honestly, part of it was like um, for the vanity part of it, like, you know, having an assistant set up meetings for you. It looks super professional. Right. And in my world, it's like about painting the picture. I still didn't I wasn't good at it. Like. Setting up, like, why would I email her to email the person instead mm-hmm. of meeting? Then they email her, like, it just didn't make sense. So I would just do things myself, and then yeah. she would get, she'd be like, "Hey, I don't have any work." It's because I'd be doing everything myself. So for me, delegating has been tough. Um, but I went on a, I was fortunate enough to go on this um, charity trip um, that we sponsored with Richard Branson to uh, Africa about uh, three or two and a half years ago. And, um, and the one value, the biggest piece of value that I got from that was that he mentioned that, you know, I was there, listen, I was like a kid in a candy store. That's one of my idols. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had, you know, told him where I was, you know, we were digging deep into like what the status of my career was, where I was trying to go. Um, He asked me, you know, you know, about my team, about my revenue, all this stuff. I told him I pretty much did everything myself. Like I had people involved, but for the most part, I was doing it myself. And he was like, if, if, if you continue that way, you will never ever grow to where you want to be. You won't grow any further because you're doing it all yourself. You can't scale that way. And so since that moment, I've focused all my time, effort and energy, rather than focusing all that on running the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I focused it on building teams to run the business with people that are more capable of me than, you know, at doing those specific things. So, you know, I'm a generalist. And so, yeah, I can, I can, I, I, over time with all the mistakes that I made, I was able to learn, you know, how to take a product to market, Mm -hmm. but I needed specialists to focus on specific things to take it to that next level because, you know, you know, and his point was that's why I can be here on this vacation and not even be thinking about what's going on at home at any of my 40 companies, because at each of those companies, there's someone there running it better than I would run it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said his goal, every time he started a company or a brand, his goal 
was to fire himself. His goal was to find somebody that can run it better than him That's and awesome. then build out a team. And you, you know, that takes humility, right? That takes humility. It takes very little ego. Um, and so I can confidently say every single person on my team is smarter than me and they have more education than me and they um, do their specific thing better than I could ever do it. And if you're not committed or have a low enough ego to put people around you that are better than you at what they do, then you're probably not committed to take it the distance, you know, and the, 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 the places I want to go, you know, I need people that are rock stars, you know, at what they do. And, and I love that. I love putting people in position to win. I can motivate you. I can run through doors. I can do, you know, but I, I can't do those specific tasks. And so, and so I'm not a micromanager. I stay out of the way. Um, and I'm here as support, you know, whenever needed, you know, I work around the clock. So, you know, that's been, honestly, that's been a, it's been a game changer for my business is, yeah. you know, building teams and getting out of the way, you know, I get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we as well, you have to hire up. That's mm -hmm. how we put it. It's like, you've got to hire people that are better than you. And, yep. and yes. You know, and I think it's micro coaching versus micromanaging. Oh, Those are for sure. For sure. For sure. No, I, I love it. You know, and, and, and I, and at the end of the day, like I'm a student, every mm -hmm. conversation that I, that I'm in, I'm finding ways to learn. I'm looking for something to learn. I mean, I honestly am, I have my own business school. I mean, 75% of my staff are Ivy leaguers. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't dream of being in an Ivy league school. So like the things I'm learning, the words I'm learning, the book mm -hmm. recommendations I'm getting, like, I love it. You know, it's like I'm a student. I love to learn. And I've also I love to talk as well. Right. So like what one of my one of my I was going to say business coach, he's a friend of mine, but he is. He's kind of coaching me on 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 how to do different things. Um, he said, the less you talk as a CEO, the better. Mm -hmm. So on calls, I'm not heard very much. I'm listening. Mm -hmm. It's my job to steer the conversations um, make sure they're going in the right direction. Um, make sure people are understanding each other. Cause I can hear two people talking to each other and it yeah. sounds like yeah. they're disagreeing, but they're saying the same damn thing and mm -hmm. just misinterpreting each other. So it's just, I kind of step back, listen, make sure it's going in the right direction. If I don't have to say anything, then, then, then we're in a good place. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, that's actually really that you have to, you have to, it's okay to steer the ship. But you got to have your crew to help you move in the right direction. Mm -hmm. For you know, sure. You know, the wind might help you as you go, but you need the crew to help you really figure out which direction you're going. Cause the captain. For sure. Um, I think that's it's really important. I, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> I want to bring something up. I was reading your bio that we were sent and you said somewhere in it, you said, I don't want to be a billionaire for being a billionaire. Ooh, yes. I want to be a billionaire for making billionaire level impacts. That's sure. so, that was cool. I have never mm -hmm. heard that before. You know, you hear everyone wants to be a millionaire. Yep. Everyone's yes. like, of course, it's for the money. It's for what you can do with it. It's to be more comfortable, whatever you want to say. But yes, deep down, a lot of people feel the way that you feel that you said it like that. But I've never yes. heard say that. Could you maybe kind of go more into that? Yeah, no, for sure. I get let me tell you something I get. And this is what my Instagram says. I get high on other people's happiness. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's something that's innate in me. I feel good. Um, 
you know, I, I, I try to keep, you know, at least 10, $20 in my pocket so I can give it to the person standing on the side of the street, asking for money. It makes me feel good. Selfishly. I love making people happy. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. You don't need a billion dollars to do good. Um, there's a ton of people, you know, there's millions of people doing amazing things that don't have very much money. And so I'm definitely not waiting until then to do great things. Um, but there's different things you can do at that level. Um, if you're able, you know, I say, I don't want to be a billionaire. billionaire. I want my goal is to give a billion dollars away. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I really, that's what I really want. Um, you know, and I just feel like, yeah, there's just, at that level, there's just so many things you can do. When I was in Africa, it was like to see how far the dollar went. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we you know we visited prisons and you know and and elementary schools and the amount of money here doesn't sound like like a lot, but it did so much good over there. And so, like, yeah, I just want to make a ton of money to give a ton of money. Not I, I say give away. I, I want to make impact. I want to help people. I want to make people's lives better. Um, it's just, it's just what I have the most fun doing, but, but yeah, that's definitely like, um, my, it's, it's in my crosshairs. I I really want that. So every, every swing I take these days, if it doesn't have, if it doesn't have the potential to get me closer to a B, then I don't even, I'm not even going to invest my time, energy, attention, you know? So any, any, any brand that I start has to at least have the potential to sell for nine, nine digits. Um, for that reason, that's to, right. mm-hmm. because I want to give a billion away. So that's what, you know, I need to be taking big swings. I mean, yeah. Wow. That's so cool. I'd like to learn a little bit more about your, um, uh, your vodka brand. Tell us a little bit about that and, and how that might have the mission towards getting close to that nine. Yeah. So, so, so Carbonati, um, was birthed in 2013. Um, <laughs> and you know, I knew when I fell in love with the beverage marketing world, which for me, it was so odd. I had nothing to do with beverage prior to the prior to then, but um, when I fell in love with the beverage marketing world, it had become a dream to, you know, um, start a luxury spirit. And um, you know, my my idol in that world was, was a guy named Bernard Arnault, who's the chairman and uh, CEO of LVMH, Louis, Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy. I think as of like a year ago, he was like one of three. Um, what do they call them? Sent, sent to billionaires, hundred billionaires. Um, I think there's a few. There's more than that now, but and now, they, what's that? There's ten of them now. Yeah, there's so yeah, there's so I know there's more now. So, but he he was a guy that I wanted to, you know, I, I liked how he moved, and um, so I wanted to create a product that he would want, you know, and so or that LVMH would want to buy. Right. So, so you know, so but prior to that, the the way I got into vodka was because I felt like it had the most, like that category had the most room for elevation. Mm-hmm. There's high-end champagnes, there's low-end champagnes, there's high-end, you know, scotches, mm-hmm. there's low-end scotches, there's high, you know, there's, in vodka, there, there, there really wasn't that. Vodka is vodka is vodka. There are more expensive vodkas, but they weren't tangibly different. They were, they still mm-hmm. tasted like the gasoline that, you know, you can get Plenty. for five dollars. What's yeah. that? I think it was a branding move. In order yes, to, in order ex- it's, it's exactly right. So I really wanted to create a a thoroughly luxurious product, and um, you know, and so that was that. That's how that was birthed, and, and and I wanted the brand to have the aesthetics that LVMH looks for. You know, they're the largest purveyor of luxury in the world, and um, and so I thought I had something there, and uh, had you know had a decent network. 
and um, took a lot of time, energy, mistakes, money, um, you know, and uh, but we got there and I ended up in Italy because I knew that the vodka category um, was oversaturated. It was crazy competitive, um, you know, but um, but I didn't want to create a new spirit. I wanted to create a bigger, better version of what was already out there um, and felt like if I can nail down the brand, if I can get the juice inside right, um, right. if I can get into the accounts that I know would get people thinking um, and paying attention to the brand, mm-hmm. then I'd have something. And based on what was happening in the wine and spirits world, you know, when, when you can hit a brand home run, I mean, Grey Goose in, in 2004 sold for $2.2 billion after only being on the market for seven years. That, you know, that was started in 1997. And, um, and the amount of volume they were doing wasn't crazy. And so I'm like, you know, if that's kind of what got, you know, my attention. And so um, but I ended up in Italy because I knew it had to be different and it couldn't just be different to be different. It had to make sense. And I thought that Italian luxury um, was very easy to market, yep. and, I, and, I, and and plus they they have some of the most incredible um, organic winter wheat in the world that no one was using for vodka. And so if I can put this put the pieces together in in, in in the right way, we would have something. And you know when you originally when I was originally telling people about an Italian vodka, they're like Italy vodka that doesn't go. But for me, the, the, the average person would be like, oh yeah, that's 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 a sign that we shouldn't do it. For me, I was like, that's perfect. It has to stand out. I want people to think that. You know, one, I know Italy is like really respected for their for their agriculture. Um, and two, I know that the possibilities of like the strategic brand partnerships, um, the content we can create, like it, it just, it made sense to me. It didn't have to make sense to anybody else just yet, but I had to paint that picture to, to get people to pay attention. And, and that's what we did. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I love, oh, sure. love hearing that. That's so cool. We'll have to pick up a bottle yeah. uh, for here. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd love to try it out. Yeah. Uh, so what's next for Ricky Miller? What do you, what do you um, think? What's the future looking like? You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm diving deeper into uh, Carbonati. We, we have a lot of exciting things happening right now. Um, building a really strong team. And, you know, I've, I've taken it um, as far as, I can personally take it with the, the few people that I'm working with now. Right. Now I'm bringing in real operational firepower um, to take it to the next level, you know? And, um, you know, so I would say in the next, you know, 24 months, you know, Carbonati will, you know, now if you went and asked 10 people, if they've ever heard the brand Carbonati, you might get 0.5 people, every 10 people that might know, right? Like I would say in the next 24 months, I want three of those 10 people to know right. what Carbonati is and it's, and it's work and it's a marathon mindset and we're eight years in and, you know, I, I knew it was going to take, you know, eight to 12 years. And, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, and prior to that, man, I was looking at quick, quick things like that. Eight right. to, you told me eight to 12 years. I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds like forever, but honestly, that's just, I'm not saying that's what it always takes, but you have to be prepared for that long haul. You know, otherwise you're going to make decisions for the short term that aren't going to be super beneficial for the brand. And right. especially in the luxury space, like it's a conditioning process. It's a, for any brand, it's a conditioning yep. process. People have to see you, you know, there's different studies that have all these different numbers, but 
you know, summed up, people have to see you a certain amount of times for you to be etched in their mind as right. the top one or two options when they think about whatever product, you know, your category is in. And so, you know, I actually, I have fun do, running this business. I have fun building the brand. I have fun playing, you know, doing, you know, making chess moves. Like right. it's good. So the, the outcome, I'm not so stuck on it. I'm not so fixated on it that like, when things aren't going well, I'm, I'm in the dumps. Like I enjoy the process and you can't do anything long-term if you don't enjoy the process or at least and stay, you know, sane. Like I really enjoy the process every day. I love waking up. I know it sounds so cliche, but like I wake up with fire. Um, I, 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 I want to like get out there and just make things happen. And, you know, you start to, you know, you, you, you have your head down working and then you look up and you're like, oh, wow, look how far I've come. Um, it feels good. But yeah, I just, man, I, I truly enjoy the process. Yep. Yep. You're speaking well, our language. Man. You got two out of 10 right here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be a big supporter, of yep. course. So uh, for all the listeners out there, if you had, if you were hoping there was one thing that they could take away from this, from this episode of BizRose, what, what would you hope that is? I think the, the the one thing that has served me well, you know, when it's come to either business, personal life, anything, and we didn't dive too much into it, but being comfortable, being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what's got me to, you know, from idea to known brand, at least in the world we are now. Um, and, and, and that's what got me through, you know, I, I don't think we ever talked about this, but, this is the reason I'm saying it. That's what got me through, you know, I battled cancer a few years ago and, and, and that's what got me through that. Right. Like just knowing what the outcome, you know, knowing where you're trying to go and knowing that to get from point A to point Z, there's a lot of bullshit in between. If right. Z is, if Z is worth it. So if it's cancer and life is at that is Z, right. then everything in between it's worth it. If it's a business and it's acquisition or, or you know, a, a strong revenue generating business is that is the then all the bullshit in between is 100% worth it. And so for me, just being uncomfortable and just committing to the cause, right? Like just, just say, make the decision that I'm going to get to Z and everything in between, it's going to be tough, um, but I, I'm going to get to Z. And so just being, you know, so when I'm going through things, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm in between, you know, right now. So I, I expected this. So it's not as, it doesn't set you back as much and it keeps your spirits high. It's just, it's, right. to me, it's just, it's the cost to play the game. I love that. Yeah. I try to put myself in the thinking cap of this. I was at Z. <clears throat> What's that? I like putting myself in the thought process of if I already was at Z. I love so, it. What are the things I'd be feeling? What would I be looking back at? Well, we are, we are, we, we are very similar. Well, I, I always are, look forward to those kind of things. We are very, <laughs> we are very similar. Yeah. It's the only thing keeps the engine fuel, man. You just have to keep going and moving forward. For sure. So, well, cool, Ricky, where can people follow you? Kind of learn more about you, kind of follow your journey um, and uh, learn about your brands. Uh, Ricky Miller, the third on Instagram, all spelled out. Um, and then the brand um, on Instagram is house of Carbonati. At House of Carbonati, and the website is houseofcarbonati.com. 
Beautiful. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the Biz Bros podcast, awesome. man. I know we're going to follow up and have another episode down the road. Yes, it's a really sure. good um, It's always nice to just kind of fuel our own engines from mm-hmm. other individuals. And uh, I'm definitely feeling. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm feeling the energy. So, oh, yeah. For sure. Thanks. Thank you, guys. I really, I really enjoyed that talk. Hope to do it again sometime. Awesome. Thank Can't you, wait. sir. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You guys take care. Thank you for joining us on the Biz Bros podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to our Instagram. LinkedIn, Facebook, our podcast. Just type in BizBros, you'll find us. We look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode of the podcast. We'll see you soon.